Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning, Diarrhea! It's time to wake up. <laughs> It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Wow, a week off and my voice didn't crack. Surprising there with the opening. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in. I have been off for the last week or so. Yeah, it's just been a week. We had Memorial Day yesterday, which wasn't a regular day. I wouldn't have been hosting this show anyway. So really, just a week. And uh, full disclosure, I tested positive for for COVID. And uh, before I get to my story into that, we got a lot to get into. There was so much that happened over the weekend. Uh, Believe me, we're going to get to the Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham stuff. That's going to come up in the next segment because I just I need to talk about that. That's something that I can't help but go through an entire show uh, without talking about. Because we do have the NBA Finals. The Warriors and the Celtics, game one on Thursday. I cannot wait. We are going to get all into it in the final half hour of the show. But uh, just to start things off, I did test positive for COVID, and you know, I just want to share my experience just in case uh, any of you, you know, haven't heard of anyone who's tested positive in a while or haven't known anyone. Uh, but the the way that it happened for me, at least how it went, was uh, on the Saturday. That I ended up, or excuse me, on the Saturday of the weekend that I ended up testing positive because I tested positive on Sunday. But on that Saturday, I had basically the most planned Saturday that I've had in a while. Like for months, there were two events that I was going to go to and they were planned on that Saturday. And I couldn't wait for it. So I woke up on Saturday morning and I felt different. You know, I wasn't sick. But I just felt tired because I hadn't gotten much sleep uh, the night before. And I woke up just feeling exhausted. And then throughout the day, you know, I started to get better. So really, I just chalked it up to exhaustion. And prior to even going out, I tested myself, tested negative, thought everything was fine. Went out on the Saturday, went to two events where I was in contact with people. And then on the Sunday... I woke up, and you know, Saturday throughout the day felt fine. Then on the Sunday, I woke up, and my voice suddenly sounded like Jeff Van Gundy in Game 7 between the Celtics and the Heat. Good Lord, Jeff Van Gundy, that voice was awful. But that's what I sounded like, and then eventually my voice just started to go, started to get all the symptoms, tested myself, then ended up testing positive. So really, the big takeaway from this, the reason I'm telling you this is just to tell you to be sure before you end up going out somewhere just in case you're not feeling well because covid even though it may feel like it's uh you know it's it's on its way out no it's steadily creeping back in with these new variants and whatnot i don't even want to try and get into that but point being just be sure before you go anywhere if you are not feeling the same and luckily for me uh i have not gotten a report that anybody i was in contact with had tested positive luckily Um, So hopefully I was the only one. 
along with my girlfriend, Jesse, unfortunately. So we've just been quarantined for the past week. Uh, but my goodness, there was a lot that happened. Let's transition a little bit to sports. But I do want to start off with the game yesterday for the Giants as they had that weekend series against the Reds. And the, the most interesting thing to come from that was Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson. And I do want to get into it. But... The Giants and the Phillies played yesterday. Now, before we get into anything, there are three main topics, three main talking points from this game that I want to get into. Number one, Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos, of course, was a free agent who was previously with the Reds, wanted the Giants to sign him, was hoping they would, was at spring training when I found out that the Phillies signed him to a five-year deal. Thought the Giants could have been in on that was really sad when I saw that Castellanos was gone. But Castellanos hit the home run. And listen to this. As it was, it was Memorial Day where we honor our heroes and take the day as the holiday. And on MLB Network, when they were broadcasting this game, they had a moment where they you know, had to do a, a little speech going into the inning. You know, honoring our heroes and telling us what we're remembering, what we're remembering and why Memorial Day is the holiday. So they're given a a very, very well thought out pre-planned speech and it was very well delivered. And somehow Castellanos hits a home run as soon as the speech was over. Here at Citizens Bank Park honoring uh, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Castellanos rips one to deep left field. It is gone! Solo home run for Castellanos. Now that may not sound like much on that Castellanos home run. It may not sound like much because it just happened right after the speech. But it is so reminiscent of when Castellanos was with the Reds and their play-by-play broadcaster at the time, Tom Brenneman, he had a hot mic, he said a homophobic slur, he said the F word live on the air, and he had to put out an apology during the game, and of course Castellanos, well, he was sort of involved in that apology. If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run, and so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. What are the chances? What are the chances back when Tom Brenneman was putting out that apology and Castellanos just happens to hit a home run in the middle of it? Now, this has gone on to be one of the funnier running jokes in baseball just anytime there's something uh, where there's a speech happening or whatever and there's a drive deep left by Castellanos if I have hurt anyone out there I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart I'm so very very sorry I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos it will be a home run and so that'll make it a four nothing ball game I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. And let me play that one more time in the second inning when he hits a home run. Here at Citizens Bank Park honoring uh, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Castellanos rips one to deep left field. It is gone! Solo home run for Castellanos. I mean, what are the chances? Does he have like a earpiece in? Does he know that... The broadcasters are having a very somber moment during their broadcast, and Castellanos just happens to hear it, and boom, just hits a home run as soon as they're making their speech. Now, the one yesterday wasn't as you know egregious as that first one that I played because Tom Brenneman was you know going through something there. That was the last time we saw Brenneman on the uh, on the Reds broadcast. I wonder what he's doing now, actually, but. I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Now, Castellanos he ended up making a making it a one nothing game uh, with the Giants and the Phillies. That was in the second inning. Then Reese Hoskins would follow it up in the fourth, where he would get, get a solo shot, and that was just a straight liner into the outfield. Uh, it was pretty cool. That one actually was caught by a kid in the outfield, and you know the the kid was celebrating, taking a picture with the ball, the whole thing. That was pretty cool. But that was the first time that Logan Webb had given up 
multiple home runs in a single game since his third career start. And my mind was blown by that. But Webb would continue to roll uh, throughout the game. Then Wilmer Flores would hit a two-run home run to tie things up at 2-2 in the top of the sixth. And then in the top of the ninth, Evan Longoria does this. It's the kind of place where you figure if he even plays... 10 games or so, he's probably going to pop one. Yeah, a couple series, you'd think that he'd get one out of here. Well, maybe this is the bat. You heard it here first. Drive to left, and this one is gone! He did it! You're going to go down and give him a hug after the game. Three to two Giants, another home run for Longoria, his fifth in the last six games. And he called that one. (laughs) Shout out to Sean Estes for calling that one on NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh, But that was in the uh, that was in the top of the ninth. And Giants had a three two lead. Now, this is where things got interesting, because Logan Webb. After giving up the multiple home runs, had gone all the way till the eighth inning, and in that eighth inning, he just pitched seven pitches and he was out of it. So Logan Webb was looking good, and it's not like his pitch count was all that high. He was at 90 pitches. So they bring him in in the bottom of the ninth to go for the complete game. Now, we don't see this too often. In this age where we're so annoyed with analytics and the way that they intrude on our in-game decisions or watching uh, watching our teams make in-game decisions. Well, analytics didn't really play a part in this one. It seemed like Gabe Kapler was going with his gut. But then in the bottom of the ninth, when you had one out, Kyle Schwarber comes up. And Kyle Schwarber, who looks like a beer league softball player who just mashes dingers he ends up hitting a home run he ties the game at 3-3 in the bottom of the ninth Dominic Leone comes in replaces Webb and uh you know a couple of interesting calls a challenge um who ended up being up which ended up being upheld with Reese Hoskins trying to steal second the challenge was no good he was out which was a close call it took took a really long time to get through this game but then in the 10th, Kirk Casale comes in and hits the home run. But before we get to Kirk Casale, I just want to play what Gabe Kapler had to say about keeping Webb in. I like hearing this from a manager. Ultimately, Webby really wanted the ball. That's that's the reason we made that decision. When our starting pitchers really want the ball, they're cruising like like he was. I mean, he seemingly had his best stuff in you know the sixth inning, seventh inning, eighth inning. So it felt like the right play to give him that opportunity. We were prepared with the bullpen if we needed to go there, and um, I think his teammates really wanted to see him go back out and get that opportunity. He earned it. I mean, you guys know we like we like using using our pen. We don't want to extend pitchers too much, but when we are seeing with our eyes that Webby looks really good. Webby's asking for the baseball. His teammates want him to have the baseball. We feel like he's a good option to get the next three hitters out, and we're going to give him that opportunity. Now, as baseball fans, we love this, but at the same time, I think we just witnessed why managers are so hesitant to have their starters go for a complete game, especially with one like that, where it's not exactly... Like the ones that where a, a guy is going for a perfect game, for example, when Clayton Kershaw was going for it at the beginning of the year and we were going after Dave Roberts for taking him out and he used the injury as a reason as to why he uh, took him out. We said, screw that. We want to live for the moment. Well, that's really what Gabe Kapler did with Logan Webb yesterday and... Being at this point in the season, when you still got, which is just crazy to think, when you still got 115 games left in the year, when you're on your 47th game and you have an opportunity to keep your pitcher in and you're not going to overexert him, you know, you're not going to have him throwing 120 pitches by the end of this game. You could have him somewhere in the ballpark of 105 to 110 if he gets out of the inning and completes the game. Then I'm liking that call from Gabe Kapler. I don't really see a problem with it, but obviously Kyle Schwarber ends up hitting the home run. But then Kurt Casale, though, in the top of the 10th, when you had Fairchild, Stuart Fairchild, on second. Shout out to him. He actually made a really nice defensive play there uh, late in the game. But Kurt Casale 
Man, stay hot at the plate. That one is hit high and deep to left field. Kirk Casale, big time out of here. A two-run homer, 5-3 to three Giants. Now, Camilo Duvall would come in because it was a 5-3 game. He would go in for the save. They'd give up the run on a sacrifice fly after getting the runner over to third. But that would be the only run they'd give up, and they win 5-4. So I don't think that the Logan Webb thing, whether you should have kept him in, whether you should have taken him out, whatever, we can argue till we're blue in the face about that. But in the end, they won this game. Personally, I liked the move. I liked it even though it ended in Kyle Schwarber tying the game. But I think the real conversation, and man, I was kind of laughing this off when we when we mentioned this, and I, and I talked about this a little bit um, to start out the month, but it's becoming more and more real now. This Kirk Casale possibly playing more than Joey Bart thing, yeah, that's becoming a real topic, I think, because in this month, after you heard that, the go-ahead two-run homer to give the Giants a 5-3 lead in the top of the 10th. In the month of May, Kirk Casale has started nine games. He's had 13 overall. He's come in as a pinch hitter in four of them. He's had 38 plate appearances with a three fifty-five average, four home runs, 11 RBIs, with a 1.189 OPS. That's the stuff of elite players <laughs> for a month. Now, granted, certainly didn't get a start in every single game. I mean, he only had 13 games in the month of May, which is not all that many. But he just continues to execute when he's at the plate and contribute when guys are on base. And conversely, when you're looking at Joey Bart, he started 14 games, so five more than Kurt Casale did. He's only batting 103 this month of May. And oh, by the way, I didn't even bring this number up with Casale. He's walked six times. Joey Bart's done the same thing, except Kurt Casale, he's only struck out four times this month. Whereas Joey Bart has struck out 20. 16 more times. And oh, by the way, he's only had nine more plate appearances, Joey Bart. Only nine more. And he struck out 16 more times this month. So if anything, Joey Bart in the lineup right now, I don't know what it is, man. It's I want him to be good. I really do. And I think that he's getting it down as a catcher. Um, I think that he's working well with the pitchers, communicating well. All those things that you want to see him grow into. But if you're striking out this much and continuing to be a liability at the plate, I mean, Kirk Casale has raised his average by 100 percentage points essentially he's gone from a 167 average at the beginning of may to 262 to close things out as we're heading into uh as we're heading into june joey bart on the other hand has gone from a 205 average to 160 so i i I don't know man i I don't know i don't know what the giants need to do with the catcher position but kirk casale certainly making things interesting and giving the giants a Big win uh, at the end of May because, you know, coming off that Red Series, it was a little disappointing. And it wasn't so much what happened on the field with the Reds. It was more what happened off the field that was more interesting to me. I know the Giants lost that series. It's not good when you lose the series to a team like the Reds. But everything that happened with Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson, my goodness. We got to get into that next. 888-957-9570 is the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number. If you have not heard this story, if you haven't seen anything about it, I mean, you must have been living under a rock because this was damn near the number one sports story in the Bay Area outside of the Warriors making it to the finals to go on to face the Celtics. We got to get into this. Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson, real life beef. Coming up next on 95.7 The Game. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. 
coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. Back after a week-long hiatus, and I'm not going to get into the whole story because I did it in the beginning of the hour. So if you woke up and you listened to this show at 5 a.m., then you had the privilege of listening to... My COVID-19 story and testing positive. I was out for the week, ended up testing negative twice, back into work, and back for the time being. Now, we got a lot to get into with the NBA Finals. Warriors and Celtics, can't wait. Genuinely Genuinely cannot wait. Thursday is game one, so we got a couple of days to talk about it. Three days, really, three shows to talk about it. And it's going to be a great series. And overall, I'm going to share my thoughts on that and the Celtics and just everything in general surrounding the Warriors because nothing is worse as a radio host than when you end up getting sick and then missing out on something like being able to talk about that Game 5 with the Warriors and the Mavs. And obviously the tragedy that happened um, within Texas, that's something you never really want to talk about on air, But um, which was just awful. It was just terrible watching all that unfold. But, man, the Warriors are in the finals. I, I can't believe it. Joe Lacob called out the naysayers yesterday at practice. We'll get into that sound a little bit later on. But there was a lot that happened over the weekend. You had the Champions League. Shout out to Real Madrid and Thibaut Courtois, who uh, who you know, ended up getting the win. Thibaut Courtois, the goalie, and he said that he didn't get enough respect in England. And as a Chelsea fan, him being a former Chelsea keeper, you know how I take that? Chelsea fueled his win in the Champions League. So you know what, Thibaut Courtois? You're welcome. That's what I say to that. You had the Monaco Grand Prix, which is Super overrated when the weather's good and there's no overtaking and it's a relatively boring race. But there was some rain on the rain on the track. It made things a little more interesting and it started an hour late, so you can get an hour's more uh, worth of sleep. Yet a bunch of stuff happened, and of course we have the Celtics going to the NBA Finals, beating the Heat in Game Seven, which we'll get into all of next segment. But one of the most fascinating stories. And I don't think we're going to see a more fascinating sports story in 2022, an off-kilter one at least. It's this little beef between Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson. Now, I was like you. I got the Bleacher Report notification saying that there was a little dust-up prior to the game, a little uh, a little team-on-team action between the Reds and the Giants prior to that game. And then you learn that it was actually just Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson. And reading the report from The Athletic, Tommy Pham had slapped Jock Peterson Will Smith style. No one knew why, but just that image. Him slapping Jock Peterson Will Smith style. What an, just an odd report in itself. And then you find out... Sources later on say that it had to do with a fantasy football beef. A fantasy football beef between two players in professional baseball. 
<laughs> and one slapped the other. Now, before we get to what Jock had to say, this is so reminiscent of the Rugnetto door thing. It's different. Same, same, but different. Shout out to the interview. But Rugnetto door waited an entire offseason till he was the Rangers' second baseman. And he was the one who punched Jose Bautista in the face when I think it was Bautista who was stealing second. And then he got up. Then Odor punched him. They got into it. And you find out, well, it's because he's still not over that bat flip that Joey Bats gave him in the postseason, which was one of the more iconic home runs in recent memory in baseball. But disrespectful to Odor, so Odor waited till that next season so he could punch Bautista in the face. You find out that this beef with Tommy Pham is just from last year, and it's because Jock had put Jeff Wilson on the injured reserve. Of course, 49ers running back Jeff Wilson. He put him on injured reserve even though he was only listed as out with the O next to his name. And if you put someone on injured reserve, that means that you can add a player. So he ended up adding the player... And because it's a high-stakes league, Tommy Pham wasn't okay with that. Now, before we get to the quotes from Tommy Pham, because this is just wild, here's what Jock Peterson had to say. He slapped you. Yeah, that happened. That was just, that was the only uh, physical part. Um, Yeah, we were in a fantasy league together. I put somebody, a player, on the injured reserve when they were listed as out. Added another player. There was a text message in the group saying that I was cheating because I was stashing players on my bench. I don't know, I looked up the rules and sent a screenshot of the rules, how it says that when a player is ruled out, you're allowed to put him on the IR. That's all I was doing. It just so happened that he had a player, Jeff Wilson, who was out, and he had him on the IR, and I said, you literally have the same thing on your team on your bench and then i guess he was in two leagues and in one of them he was on the ir and one of them he wasn't so maybe that was a confusion but the espn league we were in it was listed as out feels very similar to what i did and that was basically all of it there's not much more to it now fam did not play in friday's game but he in major league baseball had agreed to a three-game suspension which which would just essentially take him out of that giants and red series but to quote tommy fam he said quote he was messing with my money i'm a big dog in vegas i'm a high roller at many casinos <laughs> who admits to that at least as an athlete oh my goodness but when I saw that, and then he said, I slapped Jock. He said some bleep I don't condone. I had to address it. And then you see this story from previously, from last month, where Luke Voigt of the Padres, formerly of the Yankees, now with the Padres, had him on my fantasy team. Don't know how he's doing anymore because I ended up dropping him from fantasy baseball. But he slid in to catcher Tyler Stevenson in an aggressive way. And Tommy Pham said... He's a practitioner of Muay Thai, and he knows someone down here in San Diego who owns a gym. They could go at it right there. So Tommy Pham is just no joke. And he practiced the Muay Thai simply by slapping Jock Peterson. (laughs) Oh my god. All between fantasy football. All over fantasy football. Now it's a high-stakes game. And and sure, I mean, when money gets involved... Obviously, it's a little different. I mean, personally, when, you know, I've been with a friend league for a very long time with my close friends ever since we were in high school. And when we were in high school, we didn't have any money to bet. We were just, you know, we we were just playing fantasy football just to play it. Hell, we were playing it since junior high. We didn't have any money to bet. We were just playing fantasy football for the fun of it and for the bragging rights. And then eventually, a few years later, we started putting some money on it. And that's when it got real in the league. You know, like that's when that's when the group chats started to get a little hostile, you know, as it does when it comes to fantasy football. But I just thought that happened amongst a bunch of slouches like myself and my friends, not with professional baseball players. It was unreal reading that. And and being and, and the thing that made me laugh the most is okay, if Tommy Pham says he's messing with my money, 
I'm a big dog in Vegas. I'm a high roller at many casinos. Fine. Like, oh, okay, fine, Tom. Like, okay. But then when he says, he said some bleep I don't condone, I had to address it, and Jock goes on, it doesn't turn out it was words. It was actually a gif that he got mad at, and it was a gif that was dissing on the Padres because the Padres weren't having a great season last year compared to the Giants and the Dodgers. It showed three guys from this world's strongest man competition. <laughs> And they're throwing the barrels over the over the fence, you know? When they got like their backs to the fence and they got the barrels in front of them and they try and heave them over. Well, the two guys, they heaved the barrel over the fence and they put the Giants and the Dodgers caption in front of those two guys. And the third guy couldn't do it. And they had the Padres uh, team logo in front of that guy who couldn't do it. So it was just a little joke about the Padres playing poorly last year. And he goes on to slap him for it. (laughs) Look, man, when it comes to these athlete beefs, I don't take one side or another. I just kind of sit back and laugh because these dudes are are in a totally different world than we are. Like, for example, when Patrick Beverly was going after Chris Paul and, you know, all these other guys, I didn't care. Like, everyone was worried about Patrick Beverly and what he was saying and how he's out of pocket, how he's out of line. I don't care. These dudes are in their own fraternity within the NBA. If I'm watching all these guys, you know, trash talk each other, then I'm into it. And I'm not trying to condone that we need to see more slapping amongst opposing players. But just the fact that this fantasy football beef is real, more alike than we think. We're more alike than we think when it comes to these athletes, man. Tommy Pham. We all have that one guy in the group, right? We all have that one guy in the group who, or or gal, who just takes it way too seriously. You know, like, who, 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 it's just like, all right, calm down. It's just fantasy football after all. Okay? You can, you can afford to risk losing 20 bucks over the course of a, 18-week season, give or take a week, depending on what what season you're talking about. But we all have that one guy or gal who's just who's just too much. Who's just too much. But you know my one question is? My one question out of all of this? Where is the commissioner in all of this? Who is the commissioner of this league? Who needs to settle the beef between these two? That's who I blame in this whole situation. I don't blame Jock. For playing with Tommy Pham's money. I don't blame Tommy Fan for deciding to go full Will Smith and slapping Jock before the game. I blame the commissioner for not squashing the beef. That's it. If there's one guy you need to get mad at, it's the commissioner. Every fantasy football player knows that if you're not the commish. You know, the commissioner always blocks a trade that you make and, you know, maybe it shouldn't be made because you're absolutely duping the other individual and the commissioner's just trying to do his job, but you get mad at him anyway or her. Where's the where's the commissioner in all this? Who's the commissioner of this league? We need to know more about it. I I, I really do. I, I want this. I don't want this story to end. I don't want this just to turn into a Friday night news dump. I want this to carry over for the rest of the season. I want more details. Who is in this league? How much money was involved? I know we're not supposed to talk about these guys' money, but how much money was involved? I have just I have so many questions. And, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Tommy Pham is going to turn into one of those guys who, you know, tries to turn his post-playing career into an MMA career. I don't know if slapping Jock Peterson is going to be what puts him over the top. <laughs> Dana White's looking at it like, I'm going to sign him to the UFC. I'm not going to pay him nearly enough money. Because that's me, I'm Dana White. But man, this whole thing, just Unreal. Unreal between these two guys. And we're getting a lot of texts here from the, uh, let's see, from the 925. Fantasy nerds will throw down over league dues. This is more interesting because it's usually washed up, failed JV athletes going at it. From the 925, just because they are pro players doesn't mean they aren't just regular dudes. (laughs) From the 510, Tommy Pham clearly doesn't get enough on his plate to keep him busy. Dude, get a life. And then where was it from the 415? Good morning. Is it me or does that show how much football is king? Fantasy football is a big part in that. It does. It it does for sure. You don't hear that about fantasy baseball. 
No one has enough time to keep up with the other leagues. There's so many players involved and so much going on with fantasy football, with the with the case of it being a week-to-week league where there's really not you know a ton involved as far as you having to set up a team every single day. Like once you set up your team, you have the luxury of going to see how these other teams have shaped out and you know getting mad whenever the waiver wire comes around and you don't have the right waiver spot. There's so much involved with fantasy football. I just didn't think it would come down to this where a player would slap another player prior to a game and he ends up getting suspended for it. Oh my goodness. You know, I I, I didn't think there was much of a way for uh for Jock Peterson to ingratiate himself into these this 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 Giants family that he's coming into from the Dodgers. I've seen Jock get booed just as much as any other player when he's at Oracle Park. Maybe Manny Machado takes the cake, but Jock Peterson was right up there. But with that game that he had against the Mets and with this incident happening with the Reds and his sarcasm when he's having to answer questions about it, uh, Jock Peterson, I think a lot of people have become a fan of this dude um, more uh, time and time uh, again throughout this season. And my voice just cracked, and yes, it did rattle me. All right. Want to get into the NBA Finals coming up next. Game 7 between the Celtics and the Heat was an interesting one. But I got to tell you, the way that the Celtics handled the ending to that Game 7, it made me a lot more confident in this series coming up with the Warriors. We're going to get into that next. Plus, Joe Lacob, Warriors owner, calling out the naysayers. And I could be included in that. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show. 95, 7 the game. Dub Nation, this is Gary Payton II, and you are listening to the pregame show with Steve Langford on 95.7 The Game. GP2, likely to come back within the NBA Finals, hopefully for Game 1. That's going to be huge. Now, we got a lot to get into with basketball. Spent the first half hour talking about a little baseball. A little fantasy football that was involved with baseball, the Tommy Fam Jock Peterson thing. I, I it's still gonna it's there's not gonna be any story that tops it for me. Like, you know, outside of, you know, possibly the Warriors winning the finals. <laughs> outside of that, there's not gonna be any story at least involving the Giants that is going to impress me as much as that one did. I was locked in throughout the weekend following around that beef. Giants, Reds, yeah, you know, whatever. Who cares about the series? I'm way more interested in Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham. I can't believe it. Oh, <laughs> he said he slapped. The report said he slapped him Will Smith style. Will Smith style. Tommy Pham told Jock, "Keep my team's name out your effing mouth." Wow, dude. Oh, goodness me. That was too. It's it's too good. It's just too good. You're not going to find anything better than that. A, a, a baseball player slapping another place baseball player prior to the game, just because of a fantasy football beef that was taken too far. Because there's a lot of money involved, and Tommy Pham, according to himself, is a high roller in Vegas. You don't mess with his money. Oh my goodness, unreal. Now look, we'll, we'll talk more baseball. Not so much. Maybe maybe a little bit the next couple of days, but really it's basketball going forward. The Warriors are back in the finals. Now, before we get to any of that, I, I just got to mention here, um, Game 7 between the Heat and the Celtics, it was just bizarre. You know, the Celtics, they had a double-digit lead early, and really the Heat... They had Tyler Hero back, but really, he's not 100%. Marcus Smart isn't either. I mean, there's not really you know an argument there. But Game 7, at least down to the final minutes, was just odd. It was a strange final few minutes because the Heat ended up going on an 8 nothing run. They started to make things very close after being 
what felt like they were down by nine the, the entire game. That's what it felt like, and they just kept on making threes, you know, hitting these threes to come back. Then one of them was taken away a few possessions later. One that was made by Max Struess, who ended up stepping out of bounds. But then a few possessions later, they took that three back. I mean, that was just bizarre in itself. That's like, it's like in football, if a team's on their own 40-yard line and they march down to the red zone three plays later, and then the refs are all of a sudden like, actually, you know what, that play back when you were on your own 40, yeah, there was a holding on that play, so we're going to call a penalty now and we're going to take you back. Like, what? That happened a few possessions ago. That didn't happen now. What are we talking about? But anyway... The other thing was, the Celtics really let the Heat back into this game, and everyone was talking about this shot. Butler, Heat can tie for the lead. Loose and Horford. Gonna have to foul, they do. Butler had a clean look. Now, Butler takes the ball up court. He's having a fantastic game. He's already scored 32 points. And he takes a pull-up three when Al Horford is kind of in the restricted area, blocking the hoop, and then he started to close out on Jimmy Butler as he was going toward the three-point line. But he had an open shot. He ends up missing it to take the lead. And, of course, everyone's going on and on about how Jimmy Butler should have gone for the layup, possibly drawn the foul and and, and taken two free throws, or he would have made that layup because Jimmy Butler was just... He was phenomenal, especially the past couple of games, especially that game six. He was just awesome, although I think the refs did have a have a role in that game six. It felt like the refs were giving a lot of ticky-tack foul, calling a lot of ticky-tack fouls on the Celtics, although there were a couple of called on P.J. Tucker, too, so it was really, it was really going both ways. But my whole thing is, and I do agree, I do think that Jimmy Butler in that situation should have taken the two. I'm willing to hear... The argument that he was hot and he'd knocked down a three from the right wing earlier in the game uh, to cut the deficit to, I think it was six, because again, they were down by nine. So he made a big three and he's been knocking down those shots all series long. And in the big moments, that's what he wanted to live up to. I'm willing to hear that argument. A lot of them, Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, all the teammates are saying that they're willing to um, die on that shot. They're they're willing to let Butler take that shot, miss it. They're okay with it. Now, we can have that argument as much as we want. In my opinion, I think it can go both ways, but in my opinion, should have gone with the easier look, should have taken up the time because he had plenty of time left. It wasn't just him taking the three. It was how much time they had left in order to just tie the game. All they needed was a two. But my whole thing with that was they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. The Celtics let the Heat back into that game. And the way that they did it, they were up by, what, 10? With three and a half minutes left, three minutes, 22 seconds, if you want to be exact. And they were playing drop coverage on the Heat, just letting them get any open looks that they want. And even when they went to the rim... They weren't playing a very physical brand of basketball. They were just letting them score. And then on the opposite end, Marcus Smart is just hacking up threes, not taking smart shots. What you'd consider, what the Warriors this year would consider, the shot turnovers. That's the new thing. That's the that's the the new thing that I'm that I'm personally into. The shot turnovers. Where you take a bad shot, it goes on the other end and they get points in transition. We saw that happen with the Celtics in the Heat. And that's the type of thing that makes me think, you know what? This series, matchup-wise, it's tough for the Warriors. It is. When you got as much size as the Celtics do, they play primarily with a seven- or eight-man rotation. You, you never know. You, you really don't know what it could look like in this next series. Um, Daniel Tice could be getting a little more run than he had in that last series. But as long as Robert Williams is back, he's going to be in their start. Their starting five. And I want to get to Robert Williams in just a second because I do think that he's going to be a key piece in all of this and how they handle him. But they primarily use a seven- or eight-man rotation where a lot of these guys in their starting five, whether it's Jalen Brown, Jason Datum, Al Horford, or Robert Williams, and then, of course, Marcus Smart, 
All those guys are good defenders, tough defenders. All of them. Marcus Smart on Steph. You're going to be seeing that all series long. That's going to be akin to P.J. Tucker on the Rockets when he was going after KD. Like I don't know about you, but when I was watching those series and I knew P.J. Tucker was going up against KD, like that was going to be the matchup to watch in those series. That was a lot of fun. It's going to be the same thing with Marcus Smart and Steph Curry. Now, matchup-wise, it's a tough... It, it really is tough because Looney's your tallest guy at 6'9". They already got Robert Williams and Al Horford, who are bigger than that. Jason Tatum, he's a big player. He's got length. Jalen Brown, all those guys can defend on the perimeter. And they got some rim protection, too. But when it comes to the late-game decisions, and the Celtics letting the Heat back into that game, it made me feel a little bit better about this series. Now, just to to let you know, I was... Completely wrong about the Mavs. I I was completely wrong about the Mavs. I thought, and this was my reasoning, I thought that these these two teams were so good at home on their own that, you know what? I don't think any home team is going to get a... uh, I don't think any road team is going to get a win. I don't think any road team is going to get a win. I think all the home teams are going to get their wins and eventually it's going to come back to the Warriors for Game 7. Now, I think it's going to come back for Game 7 in this series. And I do think the Warriors are equipped to win this. Now, we can talk about matchups till we're blue in the face. I've already said that saying twice this show. And you got this, like for example, here. Bill Simmons, as you know from the ringer, he's a Boston guy. He's a Celtics fan. So he has a little bias in what he's saying. But I do think... What he said on his podcast yesterday is true among other people who believe that the Celtics are going to win this series. Here's what Bill Simmons had to say yesterday. For whatever reason, from when Stevens was the coach and then Ime this year, they've just always played the Warriors well. Smart's always played Curry well. They've always had too much size on the wings, and they've always had these up-and-down games where they've just looked really comfortable against them. Kirk Goldsberry tweeted, the Celtics are the only team with a winning record versus the Warriors since Steve Kerr took over in 2014. So that's interesting. That's an interesting little nugget. Celtics, only team with a winning record against the Warriors. Now, obviously, they played each other in March. Jordan Poole was positive for COVID. He was COVID positive, so he didn't play in that game. Draymond Green didn't play in that game. So they looked like a different team, and that was one of the worst losses. Obviously, Steph got injured in the second quarter. But Bill Simmons continued and talked about the Warriors being favored. I I don't really have an adequate basketball explanation other than that I think because of the wings, I think they just give the smart Tatum Brown thing has just given the Warriors problems over the years. The Horford-Draymond thing is like an interesting little matchup. They just, you go across the board, they really match up well with this team. I was surprised. The Warriors are favored on FanDuel. I was really surprised. I thought this, I know they have home court, but man, you think like the Warriors beat up Denver team, Memphis, no jaw. We talked about this Thursday night. And then the Dallas team that just stopped making threes. Like this Boston team seems like the best team they've played by a considerable margin, I would say. He's not wrong on that. He's certainly not wrong. And you're going to find that type of reasoning throughout the predictions in guys who choose and in, 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 Anyone who chooses the Celtics to win this series, they base it off matchups, they base it off these previous games, all of that. I mean, The Athletic just put out an article a couple of hours ago, they've been doing this for every playoff series, where they ask an anonymous scout, an anonymous coach, and an an anonymous executive to make their picks. Now, the scout and the coach... They both chose the Celtics, and really what Bill Simmons just said in those two clips is essentially what they were saying. Talking about the matchups and the fact that, you know, Andrew Wiggins has to remain on track and be the Andrew Wiggins that he's been throughout these playoffs. They don't expect Kevon Looney to keep rebounding the same way that he's been doing, even though it was a good rebounding team that they were playing against the Grizzlies, and look what he did in that series. Not so much, you know, against the Mavs. They're not as good of a rebounding team as the Grizzlies. I'm not going to look at that series as a barometer there. But I do think that the Grizzlies were a damn good rebounding team. Weren't they, like, top five in the league in rebounding, at least on the offensive glass? Kevon Looney was just taking advantage. And he was doing the same thing in this last series. He was awesome. 
So there's a lot of ifs and buts. But one thing that I've kind of learned as the Warriors have gotten to these finals before, and before I get to Joe Lacob, who, you know, called out the haters, essentially. I want to get to this clip. And, and, and this one really put me on notice. Now, I'm going to bring you back to March of 2021. Not March of this year. March of 2021. The Morning Roast had Tony Allen on. Of course, Tony Allen, former Grizzlies guard. You know him. You love him. The guy who played solid defense on Steph and Clay, but they left him wide open for three because he couldn't knock down shots. Derek White is going to be that new guy, according to Anthony Slater. I'm interested to see that for the Celtics, how they handle that. Derek White... He's going to be open for threes a lot. They're probably going to sag off of him and decide to double Tatum or Brown, whoever has the ball in their hands. But Tony Allen, he was on with the Morning Roast in 2021 in March. And they asked him, because obviously at the time, Clay was out. We didn't really know what direction they were going to go to in 2020. They were going to go to twenty in 2022. And I think this was just before... James Wiseman ended up getting hurt with that torn meniscus. But here's what Tony Allen said when, I believe it was Bonte who asked the question. Bonte's in studio right now. And Tony Allen, when he was asked, can the Warriors win another championship? Because back in 2021, in March of 2021, I don't know if we thought there was much of a chance that this Warriors squad, that this core could go to another finals. But here's what Tony Allen had to say. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Like this, I don't know why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they win another championship? Like those guys got the recipe, they got the coach, they got the organization, they do everything a one. You can tell how they go about their business. You could be lucky and unlucky. That's what they always say: lucky and unlucky around the time where you need to be healthy. So it just all depends on when they can get healthy enough, and you know, at the right time. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against them. That's what you never do. You never test the heart of a champion. So. That's the type of intangible stuff that really I have a tough time buying when it comes to sports. You know, the the one that's the one that gets me every time, and I've fallen victim to this. The one that gets me every time is when they say he had that look in his eye, she had that look in her eye that she was going to make that shot, that he was going to hit that home run. Like that's just that's an intangible thing. You don't really know if that's true. In championship pedigree. You know, not so much within the NHL and Major League Baseball. Because, you know, it really, depth matters when it comes to, to those types of things. I mean, obviously, you can have championship pedigree, but when your core three guys are playing a majority of the game, they're playing 35 to 45 minutes, and that's what we can expect from Steph, Clay, and Dre. That intangible of championship DNA, I have gone from a non-believer in that to a believer. I just thought that was all talk. I really did. But Tony Allen wasn't the only guy who said that. Kind of like just playing that Bill Simmons clip where he's echoing the sentiments of a lot of people who are choosing the Celtics to win these finals. Tony Allen was echoing the sentiments of a lot of former players. Guys who have played against the Warriors in the playoffs. Anybody who's come onto this station, and we've asked, can the Warriors win another championship? The morning roast, it wasn't just Tony Allen they asked. I mean, they were asking a variety of former NBA figures, whether they're coaches or players, and they say, look, they got the championship DNA. They got that championship core. You don't count those types of guys out. So they have made me a believer. So you can give me Warriors, Celtics, uh, they, they don't match up well with them. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're too good of defenders. Robert Williams is going to be too much to handle on the interior. You you can come up with all these reasons, but the thing that the Celtics don't have, that the Warriors do, is that championship pedigree. And the late-game decision-making by Ime Odoka in that Game 7, along with the players on the team, I think that goes to show that they can be vulnerable. It's going to be a tough series, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is going to be a walk in the park. But I think when it's all said and done, when game, when I think it's going to come to a Game 7, I really do think that. And I think there's a real possibility that it's going to be split. 
each in San Francisco and in Boston. Then the home teams are going to win their respective games in Game 5 and 6. Then the Warriors are going to come back and win at home in Game 7. I think that's what is going to happen. But it's just that it's that championship DNA that differentiates these guys from the Celtics. And I think that's what gives them the edge here. Celtics got a lot to learn. It's actually kind of crazy. Jason Tatum is that type of dude who, kind of like the Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney effect, when you hear how old they are, it feels like they've been playing in the league for years, so you just assume these guys are like in their late 20s, early 30s. But in reality, they're still young. Jason Tatum's still 24 years old. There was that video of Jalen Brown. I don't know if anyone has seen it. There's a video of Jalen Brown back when he was at Cal in 2016 going to watch a finals game for the Warriors. Um, He was watching it at Oracle, obviously, and he said, I will be here. And now he is. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, But real quick, before we get to Bonte and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, I want to play this quick clip from Joe Lacob at practice yesterday talking about believing on getting to the finals. I'm an optimist. We set the, t- the roster in advance. We think we have a pretty good team this year, and I thought we'd be really good. Now, did I know we would be where we are today? No. I certainly thought we should make the Western Conference finals with the level of talent. Whether you can make the finals, a lot of things have to happen right. You have to avoid injuries, as we all know. I don't take this for granted at all. These guys have done an incredible job. And by the way, we were injured all year. We never really had our core team together until the playoffs. We really never did. As you know, when Clay finally came back, we got to see what that looked like. And then Draymond goes out. Draymond goes out, comes back, and then Steph goes out. Wiggins was a constant. He was here all year. But the core guys, if you want to call it that, where the big money is spent on the payroll, we never really had them until the playoffs. So I was always optimistic that if we ever got all those guys together, that we'd be pretty darn good. And you can give me the gauntlet talk all you want, that the Celtics had a tougher path to get here. But let's face it, the Nets just weren't right. They just weren't right as a team. Steve Nash didn't have them composed. The Bucks were without their number two guy in Chris Middleton, who would change the series dramatically, in my opinion. And then the Heat were without Tyler Hero, and they managed to get it to a Game 7. Even though I understand that the Celtics were missing out on Marcus Smart and Al Horford uh, for that Game 1. But still... You can give me all of the the, the talk that you want, and and you can hear all these opinions on why they don't match up well, and all these different things. The Celtics are a better team, blah, 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 blah. You can hear all that. But the championship DNA, like, I I believe in that. I, I certainly do. And even though it might have looked like an easier path throughout the Western Conference, which it has been, they haven't had a series go to seven games. They haven't had that yet. I mean, what more can we say? Man, this is going to be fascinating. We got all week to talk about it. Thursday, I can't wait. Game one on Thursday. It's so good to be back in the saddle. We'll be back for the rest of the week. Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Chastity, they're coming up next. Hope you had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Stick around here for the morning roast. You got me and producer Sam Lubman behind the glass up until 9 o'clock. And as always, go sports. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.